Disaster, a podcast about disasters and the music they make us listen to. I'm Peter, and I'm not here with my co-host, Lee. I'm Lee, and I'm not here with my co-host, Peter. And we've got a very special guest that we'll get to in a minute. But first, I'm just going to do a little bit of my housekeeping that I always do. If you're new here, welcome. Now we have two ways for you to get into the podcast. The first thing that I recommend is going back to the beginning and listening to every episode, because we'll do callbacks, not like inside jokes. You won't, we won't be like saying things and you'll be like, oh, I feel left out. <laughs> but if we do reference a previous episode and you want to know what it's about, I recommend you start at the beginning. Or if you don't have time for that, we just started a new feature called Ruinous Rewind, where Gary and I go through previous episodes and do like a quick 10 minute recap. So there's two ways to get a toehold now. If you do all that and you like what you heard, the best thing you can do to help us out is to tell a friend to listen. Enemies too. We're not picky. If you aren't already, the next best thing you can do is to subscribe and leave a rating or review. I think Apple Podcasts is the best place to do that. You can keep up with what we're doing on social media at This Disaster Pod, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, and our website, www.thisdisasterpod.com. You can check out our patreon.com slash thisdisasterpod, where you get access to bonus content, micro-disasters every two weeks, and some other neat stuff. We do some watch parties, you get discounts on merch, so check that out. If you ordered a shirt, they're on their way very soon, so you'll have those by Christmas. We also have some other merch coming up. I don't want to tease too much, but if you're planning on sending Christmas cards, you might want to wait a second before you do that. Yeah, go with Gotta ours. Away, but <laughs> <laughs> hey, I didn't say we're making Christmas cards. I'm just saying don't. You didn't Maybe say I'm just we're encouraging not, people to alienate their friends. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's pretty much all I had to say. So now I'm going to introduce our new guest. His name is John, or should I call you Professor? You can call me whatever. John works. <laughs> <laughs> so... John, uh, John's here to do a Tragedy Tuesday for us, um, but I guess I'll start off by saying, who do you think you are? Mm. And by that, I mean, who are you? Because <laughs> <laughs> I imagine that the, the, two, the two probably align, but just making sure. Right. So uh, I, I work as a, um, uh, I, I teach emergency management at a uh, university in Northwest Missouri. Um, I also work doing disaster research. So some of our, our projects that we're working on right now are um, looking at disaster movies and science communication. So what do we learn subconsciously from disaster movies that preps us up for what we do whenever a disaster hits? Um, I do quite a bit with uh, citizen preparedness, looking at how citizens prepare themselves for disasters in their local community. The United States has a really cool model called uh, community emergency response teams. And so I help out okay. with that in our local area. That's just a little bit about me. Wow. Awesome. That sounds, sounds like you're way more qualified than <laughs> yeah. we are to talk about disasters. Good guest. <laughs> I, I absolutely <laughs> love this show. This is fantastic. Oh, oh thank you. Oh, well, very happy to have you on. My qualification is I came across a Reader's Digest book <laughs> on a thrift store shelf. That's my qualification too. <laughs> yeah. Funnily enough. Your your qualification is you know a guy who found a reader's study. Yeah, exactly. Book on a, yeah. I'm even more qualified. Good. So I'm I'm glad that you're here to join us. Um and actually you mentioned that disaster movie thing. We did a watch party for horror movies on our Discord a little while back. Maybe we should invite you to the next one when we do a disaster movie. Yeah, be, ab- absolutely. We um so one one unusual fun thing that we did. Um, like most of the colleges across the country, uh, midway through yeah. the spring, we kind of had that Oh shit moment of what do we do now? Um, yeah. and so all yeah. of our students are home for spring break. Uh, you right. know, let's try and create some content that's not going to stress them out at this incredibly stressful moment. So one of the yeah. things that we ended up doing was, uh, doing disasterologists at the movies. And so we did on, on Twitter, everybody <laughs> from different universities watch, um, and so we yeah. had, um, I think five or six different universities from friends of mine that teach, um, they all brought their students together. And so we try and do that every once in a while. Um, this semester we did, 
uh, World War Z. And so, you know, we, nice. We, oh, nice. we thought that uh, Contagion might be a little bit too ham-fisted for the current environment. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so so we nose. ended up going with World War Z. So it's a little bit more abstract compared to what people were experiencing. But uh, students yeah. love it. And it's it's really wild to see some of the uh, professionals out there in the field that are really psyched up to watch the stuff. And of course, yeah. it's great for our students because they get to hear things from different fields that like, by no means am I a volcanologist, you know, a natural sciences, uh, geology right. type of person. I love studying them, but I'm, you know, yep. far from mm-hmm. an expert. So getting mm-hmm. some of their input on that was pretty neat. Awesome. Uh, cool. yeah. yeah. Contagion. I was not ready for Contagion when I watched it. <laughs> no, that I, I hadn't watched it either until um, probably about, what was it, March. My wife and I, um, we... Um, by chance, we also had our first baby right at the start of the pandemic in about Ooh, February. Oh, uh, March was yeah. when our, our, or April, my wife would yeah. get me in trouble for that. Um, <laughs> April is when our son was born. Uh, so we had oh, yeah. quite a bit of time to sit around and, and not do anything. And yeah, I don't know if that was a good choice or not, but it was a good movie. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So in that case, I'm just going to hand it over to John. Take it away. What are we talking about? All right. So uh, one of my favorite disasters to study is the mm-hmm. Lockheed Craters eruptions of 1783. So it's a, a we'll, of course, we'll talk about all of it, but it's a number of smaller yep. eruptions that lead to one big thing. Um, awesome. And so it's, uh, it's one of the defining volcanic events that really shaped Icelandic history. Um, Iceland's oh, wow. one of my favorite countries to study just because there's so many potentials for bad things happening. Um, yeah, right. <laughs> and so it's, it's really a, a neat place. But um, this one event is one that's not really well known. Um, just because mm-hmm. Iceland is a pretty small country um, in the grand scheme of things. And this event is so long ago that it really has been lost in the memory. Um, and the, yeah. the sources that will, that I use for this are uh, the main character, John Steingrimson that we'll talk a lot about. He had mm-hmm. a pretty well-documented journal um, as he went through everything from before the event, all the way through the, you know, two year span that we'll talk about today. Um, mm-hmm. And then also a couple of um, natural scientists from different fields came together and put a much more historical spin on the topic. So there's a book called Island on Fire mm-hmm. that the two of them wrote. And you can buy that on Amazon. Um, it's really interesting. It, it's not just limited to this one eruption, but also a couple of the other ones. Uh, Westman Islands is one that happened in the 70s or 80s. I, I have a tough time remembering yep. And then um, the one that nobody can pronounce, that's like 30,000 syllables long. Uh, (laughs) It also talks a little bit about that one as well. So if you're looking for a good disaster-related Christmas gift, um, Island on Fire is a great one. A good, easy read to throw in your bag whenever you're going home for the holidays. So (laughs) Awesome. Cool. So so we're going to talk a little bit about that. Um, But of course, we have to start with a little bit of history about the country of Iceland. Give a little bit of Someone has listened to the show. I've done my homework. Um, (laughs) So for for those of you that haven't looked at a map recently, um, Iceland Mm -hmm. is a a landmass in the northern Atlantic. It sits right on the tectonic divide between Europe and North America, which is what causes all of the volcanoes volcanic activity. It's sitting right in the middle there. On average, it grows about an inch a year or um, let's see, what was it? Uh, 15 miles every million years. So, you know, slow growth, but over time um, it grows quite a bit. For that continent just to, or uh, that landmass, just to get an idea of size for any of you Canadians, this would be about the size of Newfoundland Island. Um, for okay. any, um, any of us in the United States, that's about the size of Maine or Tennessee. So really right. not a, a big place. There's around 350,000 residents. Now it was much smaller um, back whenever this volcanic activity happened. But one other thing is that most of those people settle along the outside of the country, just because the 
inner parts are pretty difficult to settle. They're pretty rocky, craggy, lots right. of, you know, volcanic rock. That's not exactly easy to move. Have you been to Iceland? Uh, yes, I've been a couple of times. I, we were supposed oh, nice. to be going this last summer with my students, but, uh, Right. Um, with everything else, not really realistic to do that. So, yeah, right. um, fair enough. Again, by far one of my favorite places to study. Yeah, it, it seems awesome in theory. I've never yeah. been either. It's on the list the, for sure. Yeah, the I mean, I've seen <laughs> for for us, it's amazing because it's just as cheap to go to Iceland now as it is to go to New York City. Yeah, um, the, right. <laughs> it's like a flight of six hundred bucks, and then the lodging is about the same price as any place down in Manhattan. That's you know pretty crazy. Um, plus. For us, uh, compared to a lot of, um, compared to the, like the UK, you can just rent a car and drive around wherever you want. It's pretty easy going. Right. So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Awesome. Um, so the, the landmass itself is around 20 million uh, years old. That's really not that old compared to most of the world. Uh, just to give some context for that, the dinosaurs went extinct 65 million years ago. So 20 right. million years ago was Iceland. Pretty, pretty young landmass. Uh, as far as the history of Iceland, the first recorded notes about the country were in the fourth century written right. by, um, Pythias, the Greek explorer. Right. They termed it initially Ultima Thule or the farthermost Island. That was the extent of their known world at that time. And so that's the name that they gave it. I'm going to argue that Ultima Thule is a way cooler name. than Iceland. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I would go well, to Ultima Thule in a heartbeat. Well, yeah. the, the next couple names to come were equally as badass as Ultima Thule. The, the next one <laughs> how'd was... They, <laughs> how'd they land on Iceland? It's kind of cold here. Mm. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> okay. the, some of the other names they had were Snowland. Um, that, All for right. some reason, didn't take off. Weird. Uh, <laughs> another one was Butterland. So they, uh, they called mm. it Butterland because the grasses were so lush and green that supposedly there was butter smeared on every one of them. So, I mean, <laughs> if, Ultima Thule, <laughs> if, if Ultima Thule is out, I'm starting to think Iceland was the best option so far. <laughs> yeah, what but, happened to right. the guy who came up with Ultima Thule? <laughs> He's long gone. So the, the Norse explorer that ended up giving it the name Iceland was one that he tried to settle there and it didn't work out because the winter was really, really harsh. So he basically said, screw this, I'm going back home. And he told everybody else that it was Iceland because he had had a, such of a horrible time uh, yeah. going there. So that's, that's the one that stuck for whatever reason. But I agree. He peed it into the was... snow before he got on his boat. <laughs> <laughs> Can I... He's talking to like the map guy. Can we call it fuck that place? <laughs> no. All right. Iceland, Iceland I guess. then I guess I don't know I don't want to talk about it anymore. <laughs> the the earliest settlers were um, Irish monks that were looking for solitude that were quickly followed up by all of the Norwegian and other Europeans um, that kind of pushed them out of the places that no nope this is this is our land now. <laughs> Damn, go be sad somewhere else. And, and that's more or less the the civilization that ruled from that point forward. So right. that's just a little bit there. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. For the sake of time, you know, this is the hun the history of a nation. So I'm going to skip over broad <laughs> pieces of the history. So any of the historians out there, you know, you can harass me on Twitter and everything else. <laughs> Fill in the blank. But between 1300s to when this, um, when the Lockheed Crater's eruption happened, Iceland was basically going back and forth between getting absolutely rocked by um, different hazard events, plagues, etc. Mm -hmm. And then whenever things were good, the Danish or the Norwegian government, whoever owned them at the time, mm -hmm. they know noticed that they were doing good. So they tried to keep them in their place with all kinds of other stuff. So, um, I wonder that actually made me realize that 1300s and plague, uh, do you know if the black death got there? I don't know. Let's see the, the ones yeah. that I had down were, um, they had smallpox and scabies. Um, I didn't see yeah. that the plague was in there. Interesting. Yeah. Cause I know that it, it got through like the Scandinavian countries, but I'm not sure if it went any further out. Hmm. Hmm. 
Episode yeah. 1314. <laughs> yeah. Look into it, someone. <clears throat> yep. So, um, so some of the bad times were they had a number of other volcanoes. So the main character, John Steingrimson, he would have seen multiple volcanoes by the time that this happened. This is, you know, they're, they're pretty aware of what these are. They, they see them all the time in different sizes, but, uh, They had a number of different volcanoes. They also had flash flooding that was caused either by the volcanoes melting snow or just by rain in general. So they're down typically living in kind of the Delta area um, on the sands, you know, and so they're getting a lot of that washout whenever it comes. Um, If if it wasn't the natural stuff, they also had smallpox and scabies. Um, They had a really bad scabies outbreak that killed a bunch of their livestock. So, I mean, they, they just kept getting racked with this. Right. If it was the good times and things were on the up and up, uh, the Norwegian or Danish government basically took a tight grip and they said, okay, well now that you can pay money, we're going to start getting money from you. (laughs) Uh, Well, we want it now. (laughs) They, they also really kind of screwed them over because they said nobody else in the world is allowed to trade with Iceland. Only whatever crown owns it. Um, so they had a monopoly on absolutely everything. So you've got this barren landscape of Iceland. That's this, you know, the, the volcanic rock and moss and whatever else. And so there's not just, you know, baskets or knives or whatever things they need out there. So they have to ship all that stuff in from Europe. Uh, so since there's only one person you can get it from, they really had a tight grip where they would allow them just barely to get up to the point where they're able to start recovering. If we're talking modern disaster terms. Uh, but then the moment that that happened, they would say, Nope. Okay. Everything's back to normal. again." (laughs) And so, you know, it's, it's funny because in, in modern terms, we look at something like hurricane Katrina and they're kind of experiencing the same thing where, um, a hurricane will happen. Nonprofits will come in and provide aid. And then very quickly, the aid gets distracted to other hazard events or other places. Um, and then they just keep getting racked by hazard after hazard. Right. And, and so that's basically what Iceland was. It's like just volcano after flood, after scabies, right. after volcano. Um, just not really an easy time that they were having. Ugh. Right. And then like, you know, the Netherlands getting whiplash being like, ooh, gross. Actually, <laughs> now we can trade yeah, yeah, until yeah. like the next one hits. And it's like, like oh, right. get, get away. <laughs> Getting closer to the the hazard event we're talking about, about, let's see, 30 years before that, in 1750, they had a absolutely brutal winter that was cold enough that it froze all of the seawater around the coast of Iceland. Whoa. So for anybody oh. familiar with Scandinavian culture, fishing is a big deal. That's how they get most of their, uh, most of their food um, at that mm-hmm. time. And so it was so cold that they just simply couldn't get their fishing boats out. Right. And that means they were basically limited to, you know, backcountry ice fishing like we do on a yeah. weekend. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Which, <laughs> which was not good enough to get the entire family fed. Uh, no, so, right. Because is there a lot of wildlife on a volcanic rock? Like, is there anything other than fish, really? Really not that much. I mean, they've got puffins and some of those birds. There's one called right. the great auk, which kind of looked like the cross between a puffin and a penguin. Right. Um, yeah, right. And so there's yeah. there's some of those, uh, but yeah. definitely not the, I guess you could say the easy thing of fishing where it's yeah. like you put right. in a net and you pull up hundreds of fish. You know, it's, right. it's quite a bit of calories burned just to get one bird. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're not, you're, you're not catching them with like one of those boxes and a carrot inside with like a <laughs> stick on a string. No. Yeah. So not only that, they did have some livestock at the times so they were working on that. Um, but, yeah. uh, the cold was actually cold enough to kill the livestock as well. So it really Jeez. did not make things easy for them. So that's, you know, 30 years beforehand, um, oh, about, uh, or five years later, another major uh, volcano erupted called Katla. Um, and that one destroyed all of the pasture in most of the country. 
country. So it brings down this acid rain. It scorches the pastures. Um, and so then the livestock that were left didn't really have anything to eat on. Uh, right. Nor did the people. No, nor did the people. Decimated <laughs> ecosystem. Then five years after that, we ended yeah. up having uh, smallpox and scabies hit. And then the <sighs> scabies knocked out about half of the sheep. So we're just, you know, boom, 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 boom. Things are not going well. Man. Iceland's like, come on. Really? After all these shitty situations, there was a brief period of happiness in Iceland. (laughs) (laughs) Ominous, you know. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So cold spell ended, things improved. They had a bumper crop year, their far- farming started taking off. Mm-hmm. And so now we we have our main character enter, which is John Steingrimson. Um, right. John is the priest that's in charge of most of Southern Iceland. He's 55 years old. And by most standards, he's pretty eccentric. Uh, he okay. is a priest. He's a farmer, which was kind of an expectation at the time that, you know, right. if you're going to protect your flock, you need to teach them how to fend for themselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah. he was a farmer, a good fisherman. Um, he was well-educated. So he'd gone through school in Iceland. Um, he was born and raised in Iceland. So he went through school there. Uh, he was also an amateur scientist, which of course, at that time, there's that divide between religion and science disasters were still deemed a act of God. Um, so for him, he was seeing all of the science. I mean, it's hard not to learn about volcanoes in Iceland. You know, you're seeing floods, volcanoes, snow, thaw, all of these scientific concepts. Um, yeah. And his journals were actually littered with science information. He was noticing things like uh, sediment buildup of volcanoes, how one would put this dust down and then another one. So he he was he was tracking on most of that. So he was, had a pretty right. scientific mind. Okay. That's always interesting. Like, yeah, there is that divide between religion and science, but there's always these people. and you come across them. So, there's so many people in history where it's like priest and scientist, yeah. which always makes me think of them being like, yeah, yeah, no, no, it's, it's, it's it totally, it's totally got, I'm just going to write this down though. Just, you know, <laughs> just for my information. Yeah. Uh, and maybe it's just the clouds, but no, 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 it's totally God, but I'm just, it's, it's God. Just can take some but, notes on, he's yeah. like taking notes what on the side. What are you writing? Nothing. It's just, don't worry about it. Yeah. <laughs> well, there's, and there's plenty of people like in my part of the country in the Midwest, uh, United States, you watch mm-hmm. the news interviews after a major tornado and they say, you yeah. know, God was looking out for me and that's why I survived. Or, you know, they, yeah. they, can, they still connect yeah, yeah. that to some degree, but yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. no, I, it's just, it's funny. And also the other thing, like <laughs> you talk about like those hyphens, there's so many people throughout history where it's like this priest, farmer, scientist, philosopher, just cause there's <laughs> so much to left to not that there's not a lot left to discover now but now things have gotten so like refined and expertise is such like Mm -hmm. at a point you pick your discipline whereas at the time there's still (laughs) so many people where it's like i wonder i wonder how volcanoes work (laughs) yeah whereas now we i wonder scientifically and just from a (laughs) you know philosophical point of view too like why are (laughs) volcanoes and with yeah. Icelanders, it's so funny because, you know, the, the volcano goes much deeper than just, you know, something that is in the, in the background of their lives. You know, they use right. the, um, the subterranean heat, you know, they, they mm-hmm. dig holes and they put uh, their bread and pans and cook rye bread underground in some of these hot spots, awesome. which yeah, is yeah, fantastic. Yeah. Oh man. Is it? Oh really? Um, sounds awesome. There's, there's some recipes for slow cooker, um, Icelandic rye bread or rugbrod. Um, and it is huh. fantastic. It's really thick, spongy. Um, oh, right. it's marvelous. Cool. Um, nice. I got to go to Iceland. So more, more on John. He was not just all yep. of those things. He was also a right. doctor. Um, <laughs> he trained 
he trained under Iceland's first uh, surgeon general. So he had a pretty extensive medical training in addition to being a farmer, fisherman, priest, you know, all all these other things. So, I mean, talk about, talk about most interesting man in the world, or at least in Iceland at that time, you know, he was, um, you know, other than leaving the country to do other eccentric things, he was, he Mm -hmm. was pretty much a, a, um, a community figure. And, and he was certainly yeah. was one of those leaders of the community. Um, you know, that's kind of how that, that early civilization operated where the religious figure was the, the, the joint point between that community. So, right. Yeah. yeah. Like, Hey, you, so, you don't look so good. You should lie down. I think, hold on. I'm just going to add something here. Hyphen doctor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, also, let's give him most interesting man in the world because at this point, most interesting man in Iceland might be synonymous with only man left. In Iceland. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's Jojo the puffin boy. Oh man! And I through through reading most of this, I just sit here and wonder. It's like, why didn't you go back to Norway? You know, it's yeah. like I. Yeah. Of course, you know the whole thing is most of them are like, I want new cropland, or I'm I'm fleeing from whatever conflict is happening. So I, I get that yeah. part, right, but. Sure. Um, um, also there's notes about how like Eric, the red and some of these other explorers, they caused some havoc and then different descendants ended up going further to Greenland and then down closer to where you guys are at. I um, mean, kind of right. continued down. Um, they said mm-hmm. they stopped basically when native Americans started to push back against them. So they got to some point, they're yeah. like, Oh, these people are dangerous. We're going to head back the <laughs> yeah. other way. And that's kind of where <laughs> the extent of the Norwegian exploration ended. Cause they knew that there were <laughs> millions of natives that they could not, you know, for first nations individuals that they couldn't compete with. Right. So, Right. Yeah. We know yeah, yeah. about that. We talked about that in some episodes. <laughs> Episode. Oh, yeah. 15 yeah. Roanoke. Yeah. I think the future Americans got a taste of that, too. Yeah. Uh, Salem, uh, the witchcraft trial of Sarah Good, too, a couple episodes ago. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Just play nice. If you come to a new place, play nice. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. not that hard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we've got John, and he's in a unusual spot where mm-hmm. the vast amount of people agree that disasters are caused by God, and God is punishing mm-hmm. sinners. And, you know, it's, it's all that type of attachment to religion. At the same right. time, John has a strong operating knowledge of how volcanoes work, how the different right. pieces of the, of the world are intersecting and how this stuff works. So, you know, he's, he's got a little bit of that, um, but you can definitely tell that he, religion takes precedent for most of his journal talking about how, you know, this is, this is punishment for people being a little bit lazy. Right. So, so, <laughs> oh, lazy. Oh, geez. Wow. That's I'm screwed. Talk about proportional. So back to talking about, you know, his, his journals, um, and, and the lead up to this in the first couple yeah. days before, um, this led up, um, John had a couple writings that he had. So first one, I uh, was talking about just how great things were. So just like any good movie, you have to set up the really awesome before the shit hits the fan <laughs> where no one believes the hero. No, no. So in his diary, John writes, um, this country has experienced high fertility and a great bounty with such a blossoming and fruitfulness throughout and most moderate weather, both on land and sea, but the final year exceeds all bounds. So things were, things were great. Um, things were dandy to the point that in John's opinion, people started to get lazy, gluttonous, and even sinful. So his, his next, Oh, oh. 
So what you're saying is uh, he, it's his fault. Right. He jinxed it. Right. Mm. So um, <laughs> he said, imbibing in alcohol and indulgence in tobacco increased in like manner so that during a single year uh, in Iceland, the spirits amounting to the worth of 4,000 fish were consumed at feasts, visits, and the like. I'd like to give you a dollar amount, but unfortunately, um, the um, Google option for this doesn't include a uh, an exchange rate for fish. So – um, <laughs> what? <laughs> so, uh, but, but it sounded like it was a pretty big deal. Um, it got to the point where John said that even the vagrants, the beggars and the layabouts were not accepting anything less than like the best cuts of meat and most like <laughs> awesome pieces of bread and all that. So like even the people that are worse off are like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to pass on the chicken bones or whatever it was. So, you know what? Beggars can be choosers. Yes. Yeah. yeah. You know that. <laughs> Obviously, since he's a priest, a lot of his stuff then quickly turns like fire and brimstone, uh, as you can imagine. Right. Mm-hmm. With the next part, he said, nevertheless, God's patience and his willingness to wait on men repeat and mend their ways was so great that he only sent chastisement when it was long overdue and even then was much milder than was merited. So what is he doing? <laughs> he's just like just shining a light asking on for it. Yeah. Stop it. <laughs> Keep, keep that in mind that he said that what what is now to come is mild compared to yeah. what is deserved. So keep that in mind as we go through <laughs> the next like the, the next two years or so of this of this disaster. Okay. So I don't know the details, but I imagine. Okay, carry on. <laughs> so the the start of all of the festivities um, was on June eighth, seventeen ninety three, and John okay. looks over his shoulder on the way to church and sees a thick cloud of black smoke rising up over the mountains. Um, now, of course, oh being who he is, he still goes into church and he attempts to give his sermon, but unfortunately, minutes later. <laughs> All that black smoke has inundated the local area. People can't see. They're having to feel their way in the dark. Um, ash was oh, falling wow. from the sky, but he still waited it out. And then that afternoon, a wind from the ocean came up, cleared things out, and they still had church that day. So, a few. <laughs> Always fine. That was probably nothing. That was weird. Faded away. <laughs> So the next day, June 9th, uh, they started to have more tremors. So tremors had been going on for the last few days, and John had treated that basically like uh, warning shots from God. So God's watching. He's saying, all you are being real sinful. I'm going to throw some earthquakes yeah. at you just to make sure you know that you need to get right. Um, and and then they really started to have these. So more tremors happened after that. Uh, the thick right. haze of fog and smoke continued. Now we add into that a sulfuric smell, which for a lot of those hot spring areas is pretty common. So they, they knew, they knew what was going on at this point. Um, then things got worse. They ended up having acid rain. And so for the humans, this burned their eyes and their skin. It caused dizziness. Holy crap. Um, for the plants, it burned holes in most of the uh, foliage that was around there. It scorched Whoa. entire what? fields. So whatever things they were growing, mostly pasture for the for the animals, um, that just scorched everything. You know, no different than putting, putting right. some of that poison on your weeds in the garden, you know. Um, yeah. So that's acid. That's rain. acid. I remember rain. growing up in the nineties. Yeah. And like acid rain. Be like other the scare of like yeah. And you get this sort of like dirty sheen on your car afterwards. Like yeah. oh, that's yeah. what it does, I guess. No flesh searing that I no. remember. <laughs> no. <laughs> Not what I was picturing in my fourteen year old brain. <laughs> <laughs> ah! yeah. 
the the acid was strong enough that they had uh, recently shorn all the sheep in the area. And so it was bad enough that it uh, scarred and seared all the hides of the sheep um, that now didn't have any wool on their backs. So (sighs) this is fine. Nothing to worry about. He's like, you assholes. (laughs) So keep in mind, we are currently on day three of roughly two years. Oh, good God. (laughs) Early days. (laughs) So for, for most people that are living in my area of the United States, a lot of us grew up with, mm-hmm. you know, our, our grandparents talking about their defini- definition of hell. Um, you know, fire, brimstone, smoke, heat, pain. Mm-hmm. Sure. So th- this basically Classic. sounds like hell at this point. Kind of checking off yeah, the yeah, list. Yeah, it's done, 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 done. Um, yeah. This is God's third and final warning, I think. <laughs> <laughs> so... Uh, the first time that they saw lava was on day five, June 12th, and they started seeing it spilling down from the mountains. So he wow. said that uh, now the flood of lava spilled out into the canyon and poured forth with frightening speed, crashing, roaring, and thundering. When the molten lava ran into wetlands or streams, the water exploded so loud as if many cannons were fired at one time. So wow. that sound that you get whenever you put a hot skillet into the sink, yeah, multiply yeah. that by, yeah. you know, 15 miles or so. Um, um, and that's kind of the sound that they're getting at that time. Nice. Holy crap. Molten lava meets freezing water. Yeah. When you're on an island like this in the middle of nowhere, where do you go when you see that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, we're we're dead now. We should get good, out of here. Good. Yeah, you're funny. Where? You've got ice ice water <laughs> on one side. You've got yeah, yeah. Uh, fire and molten lava on the other. End of list. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> but, uh, so things, things just continued to get worse on day six. Uh, the weather cleared up, but the lava really started moving. They started hearing mm. lots more thundering over the hill far up into the mountains. They were hearing humming and rushing quote, like a great waterfall and many bellows being blown at one time. So they were really starting oh to think something is going on up there. If, if God <laughs> is, is trying to make this a message, he's being really ham fisted about it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Very on the nose, Lord. So, and and uh, on top of all this, now the smoke that's traveling over it's at an altitude where the sun's able to shine through, but it's tinting the entire place red. So now we've got lava; everything looks red, sulfuric smell. So it's again really ham fisted on God's part. Right, so, right. Yeah, I guess you could excuse them for thinking that it's it's hell on earth. <laughs> I could be convinced. I think on day seven, uh, cinders and long glass hair started falling from the sky. What? So this is our first sidebar on Pele's hair. Okay. (laughs) So um, when a a basalt volcano erupts like this, there's all kinds of different things that get shot out from it. So if the, have you guys talked about this on any other episodes? Not this specifically, okay. no. Um, we talk a little bit about like pyroclastic flow and stuff. Gotcha. Like so with with the um, basalt lava that's getting shot out, if it travels really okay. fast, it ends up stretching out into long, thin strings, um, which are known as oh. Pele's hair. And these are light enough that a lot of times already they're flying at a pretty decent speed, yeah. but now they're light enough that it can be carried. Right. And in Hawaii and some of these other places, you'll see these wrapped up around the tops of trees or radio antennas. Um, oh. And so those are known as Pele's hair from the the Hawaiian mythology. Um, For the bigger chunks that don't travel as fast, they end up being more teardrop shaped Mm -hmm. or Pele's tears. Um, And so for for those, they end up falling closer to the volcano, but they end up looking much more um, like a teardrop shape or, you know, kind of globs, very glassy black, like onyx or obsidian, something like that. 
Right. So, whoa, that's cool. Yeah. Um, neat stuff. Terrifying. But uh, cool. They yeah. are really neat, and people like to pick them up whenever they're around one of these volcanoes. But the, um, right. the, uh, Hawaiian mythology is that if you take yeah. anything from the Hawaiian volcanoes from around where Pele mm. exists, uh, you're going to be cursed. And every year, hundreds of these items magically show back up in Hawaii from people that are mailing them back, thinking that they have fallen on hard times because of this curse. <laughs> so, uh, so that, that's a legit thing. Um, but we, we see these um, Pele's hair uh, coming out of this volcano as well as some of these Pele's tears. But the ones that John was noticing is this, this great big hair. So, um, end wow. end of the sidebar on Pele's hair. That's awesome. Good sidebar. I like the mailing back. Like, oh, I lost all my money at the casino again. Damn this Pele tear. <laughs> Get it out of here. <laughs> Very much Jumanji kind of thing that it's like, I'm going to throw it away, but it's, it's going to keep coming back to haunt me. Yeah, so, right. <laughs> no. <laughs> also, whoever, like, who are they mailing it to in Hawaii? <laughs> They're just addressing it to Hawaii, Volcano Hawaii. There's one, <laughs> there's one really, really unlucky person in Just Hawaii. Just get oh. bags and bags of rocks in their mailbox every day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Seriously. I hate it. Why is this my problem? <laughs> so with all of these hairs that are falling from the sky, it was happening at such a rate around John's uh, village that they started to develop into a carpet of sorts. So this big, thick mat of these glass hairs. So a giant glass Brillo pad is growing around John's Ouch. village. Okay. Um, Jeez. And and of course it doesn't mention anything about people stepping through it, but it's like, these are glass shards. You know, I'm, I'm yeah. sure that they're not mm-hmm. exactly in combat boots at this point in history. So I, I don't know <laughs> what that would look like for them. They, so like they're, they're light enough and they are thin enough that these mats started getting picked up by the wind and rolling into these great big, um, hollow tubes that were rolling across the shore. Oh <laughs> so, so weird. <laughs> um, oh my God. Uh, yeah. So why did we move here <laughs> again? Every day is an opportunity to leave and yet they stay. We had this coming, I guess. In addition to these thick mats, they also had oh, um, rain that now was turning brownish blue and was even mm. more nasty than the stuff before. So the chemical stench supposedly caused chest ailments and loss of consciousness. <laughs> Birds were falling Whoa. from the sky, fish were dying in the streams, and the livestock stopped eating all of the grass because it was tainted with this horrible, horrible rain. Oh, boy. We're going to stick it out. This is, this is day seven? This, we, yeah, so this is day seven. We're now a weekend. And <laughs> okay. fi- uh, birds are falling from the sky, carpets of glass shards, um, acid rain, mm-hmm. everything else is hell. So that's that's where we're at right now. <laughs> okay. I, I guess, like, where are you going to go? <laughs> But <laughs> we're moving on to day eight. At this point, the locals are like, there's something crazy going on. We need to get a group of guys and head up there. So at this, at, point, at this point, so now that it's been a week of hell, we should probably check it out. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So they, they gathered up a group of these local farmers who headed up into the mountains to see what exactly was going on. They hiked eight kilometers up the mountain um, and they were met right. with a nasty, awful site for most of us. Whenever we think of a volcano, we think of a mm-hmm. great big cone with lava and smoke coming out of the top, you know, Mount St. Yeah, Helens, yeah. some of these other ones, yeah. what these wow. guys saw at the top of the mountain was basically the scene from Christmas vacation uh, where Chevy chase opens up the Turkey and it just, you know, oh. uh, steam oh, and smoke comes <laughs> up. Um, yeah. Only the Turkey was made of rock and it was 25 kilometers long. <laughs> 
Holy okay. So Craft 25 kilometers, 15 miles of this giant gash in the earth that is spewing yeah. and belching lava and sulfur and horrible things. Right. And it's coming down. They counted 20 separate lava fountains that were coming out at full force at one time. So they're just looking out over this Mordor like scene. <laughs> Jesus. And, and this is what they get. Right. Oh. Cousin Eddie really should have emptied his. <laughs> <laughs> so, Hey, honey, honey, shitter's full. Did you check our shitters? Yeah. <laughs> Shitter was Sorry, full. <laughs> I love that. Obviously, <laughs> the, the locals did not take the news well. Oh, you don't say. Um, because all of, <laughs> all of this lava was crashing through all of the valleys of the mountains, heading straight down towards where they were living at. So it hadn't made it to them yet. Oh, um, it was still pooling up in some of the higher parts, but it, it was definitely making its way down there. Oh, boy. Good Lord. That's a lot to deal with. So skipping over the next month or so. Um, it okay. really was about as hellacious, but it really wasn't eventful. The smoke and rain continued death and despair, lava inching closer to settlements <laughs> each day. Um, at that point, people started trying to move out of the area. So they got their cattle, their sheep oh, okay. and whatever they tried to move out. Um, but the area that was impacted was just so big that most of them either turned back or some of them just said, screw it, we're leaving. And that at that point was when right. they started okay. saying, I'm going to leave this place. So, I mean, we've, so a month, a of, month hell. of hell okay. is enough to do it for some of these people. So, I mean, these, a lot of these places, you know, like John, he's 55 years old. He's farmed in Iceland right. for most of his life. Um, people like right. him are saying, you know what? The third, fourth generation farm, I'm out of here. This is too much for me. So, I mean, they, they are really giving up quite a bit. Um, they're giving up all of their property that they own yeah. and probably heading yeah. to either back to Norway, Denmark, or possibly to Greenland, um, depending on yeah. uh, where they came from. So. Right. Yeah, that's the other side of the coin that we talk about a lot. In retrospect, it's so easy to say, get out of there. Right. But this this is everything. This is all I got. Here. Your um, life and your yeah. livelihood. I mean, you got to say well, they were pretty tough. They're just like, oh, we'll stick mm-hmm. it out. It'll blow over. Yeah. That's fine. Oh, yeah. yeah. There's there's a reason why these people are now like genetically the strongest power lifters in the world. You know, it's like looking back at their history. <laughs> that's like, true. It makes sense why these people are so tough. Yep. So, yeah. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> So at this point, John and his congregation kind of saw the writing on the wall. The lava is drawing, drawing closer. It's starting to burn some of the smaller villages around us. Um, the rains continued to fall. So, you know, we, we need to, we need to figure out something. So John being who he is, he's like, you know what, let's just do one more round of prayer and, and going to church. So that'll do it <laughs> in, in John's brain, either God was testing him or things were about to come to a very painful end. Um, as people made plans to evacuate, the Reverend called everyone together for one last sermon there <laughs> in the darkness with the lava pressing closer and lightning splitting through the sky. John spoke fervently and by other accounts, far longer than his usual sermon and assured the congregation <laughs> that if there was ever a time to pray, it was now. Pause for effect. Good advice. Fair enough. Considering the <laughs> probably a lot of a lot of agreement in that congregation. <laughs> right. <laughs> so so it's pitch black in this place. Lightning's crashing all around them. As the yeah. congregation left the church, they looked up to the hills to see that the lava had stopped dead in its tracks. What? Okay. So the next part is what we don't know. The congregation um, was was clearly thinking that this was a sign from God saying that their prayers had been answered. Sure. Mm -hmm. But for John, we're not sure that either a, 
he was just like the rest of the congregation that our prayers have been answered Mm -hmm. or B this is a very well-educated individual that has been observing volcanoes and natural sciences. It's possible that he looked up the hill and saw all of the floodwaters that are coming down from the mountains. And it may be that he knew full well that the lava was going to stop. And he just said, okay, now's my time. And (laughs) it's magic time. (laughs) And, and so he, it could have been that he ended up saying like, this is the right moment to have a sermon because more than likely the lava is going to stop right now. Nice. It's that one. Let's add another hyphen grifter. (laughs) (laughs) It's, it's that one. It's a hundred percent. It's that that one. one. I think it's that one. So the the cool thing is that this obviously very quickly entered him into the lore of Iceland. I'm giving him one of the more badass nicknames out of any disaster story that I've read, and that is the Fire Priest. Or um, yeah. it, sound, it sounds even better in Icelandic, which is Eldfather. So it's like that's yeah. So he's he's got quite a a lore behind him. Lee, that that black metal band that we're starting. Oh, I think Eldfather. We have a for it. Yeah. 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 It's yep. it's in the works. Don't you worry. <laughs> so if you if you go to Iceland, we'll talk about it at the end of the story, but if you go to Iceland and you go to where his church was, they have a new one that's built up. Uh and his um his image is carved into the pulpit of the church of him stopping the lava. So I mean he's it, oh, people are badass. still very aware of who this guy was. That's you want to talk about like legacies. That's what you want to leave behind. Yeah. So who are you on historical terms? Oh, they know me as the fire priest? Yeah. He who stops lava? <laughs> I did this and <laughs> that. I, I stopped lava. Fire priest. That's me. Yeah. 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 What'd you do? Another hyphen, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, fire priest. Lee, you're, keep, you're keeping that list. Add fire <laughs> Very priest. long resume for that time. Um, um, so this momentary success was just a pinhole of happiness in the otherwise dark sky of misery that the Icelanders <laughs> would endure for the next six months. Um, well put. <laughs> <laughs> I like pinhole. <laughs> As the months progressed and the volcanic uh, conditions continued, it became harder and harder for Icelanders to endure the toxic conditions that they were experiencing. Mm -hmm. Now is the start of our dark bar on the death and torture by volcano. Welcome to the dark bar. So as a reminder, this is where the podcast gets darker than it normally is. (laughs) Right. Um, If you'd like to skip through this part by any means, you know, go for it. Um, But this, this is basically the, the culmination of all of the physical ailments that the plants, animals, and humans endured because of the nasty stuff this volcano was kicking out. So okay. Buckle up. So over the eight months of the eruption took place, um, the water, air, and ground were riddled with elements and compounds that humans are not normally in contact with. Um, these are things like mm. sulfur dioxide, sulfuric acid, high doses of carbon dioxide, and many other things. Um, most common with the Lockheed eruptions was fluoride. So for us, fluoride is, you know, we, we go to the dentist and we get fluoride put on our teeth. Yeah. It helps us uh, strengthen our tooth enamel. That's great. Mm-hmm. Um, however, mm-hmm. if you get it in much larger quantities, it causes bone deformities and a lot of other stuff. Or if you're in Ottawa, it's in your water. Yeah. Yeah. They had a whole episode of Parks and Recreation <laughs> about that. Yeah. Many places. Right. Yep. Yeah. I remember that. <laughs> H2 flow. H2 <laughs> That was a good one. <laughs> so, um, with this, the challenge is, is that we don't have really good records of what 
chemicals caused what things, you know, we're pretty early on in science history. So it wasn't like John was documenting each individual thing, what it was causing, but he did do a very good and frankly graphic job of describing (laughs) the ailments that people endured um, during this time. I'm I'm sure it's very poetic the way he put it. Yes, it is. (laughs) I've read, I've read some like 18th and 17th century accounts of how people suffered. Yeah. He injected some, uh, some grimoire into it. I'm sure. Now, uh-huh. so starting with the animals, the animals that ate the ash-laden grasses ended up having corrosion of their intestines and, and gastrointestinal system, and most of the time that led to hemorrhaging that caused death. Um, mm, for any of the animals that survived that, all of mm. the different things coming out of the volcano caused their gums to swell up and their teeth to weaken to the point that they could no longer even chew their cud or chew grasses mm. because they couldn't eat. Then they just withered away and died of starvation right. instead of internal hemorrhaging. That's already horrific. Yeah, <laughs> horrible. For the humans that were going to eat these animals, whenever they slaughtered them and butchered them up for meat, they said the meat was foul-smelling, bitter, and according to John, quote, full of poison. So, Jeez. not great there. Nope. No. Not good eating. No. Yep. For for humans, things were not much better. They also suffered all the gastrointestinal things from tainted meat. The humans that did eat all of that, because that's all there was to eat, they ended up getting right. not only what they were getting from water, but also a concentrated form because the animals had already kind of filtered through the humans now were growing bone deformities. They grew ridges and other things growing off of their skeletal system. They also experienced severe swelling and cracks on the gums. Their tendons retracted and cramped their bodies bloated (sighs) and developed sores. Um, so it talked about oh how like God. their body would swell up and then in between the, the rolls that had swollen up, they developed sores in the middle there. Oh, and, and probably worst of all, um, in some cases, their tongues would quote fester away or fall off. What? <laughs> no, no, thank you. No, thanks. No. So just, just letting that set in for a while. So first you just swell up like a balloon, um, like a piece of road, uh, roadkill on the side of the road. Then your teeth fall yeah. out. Then your gums swell up. Then your tongue just rots off. And there Ooh. you are. <sighs> That sucks. Well, at, l- at least you're surrounded by animals that are withering and dying. That's, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Thank God for the little things. So, like like many of your episodes that talk about starvation, um, locals took to mm-hmm. boiling leather hides, turning fish bones yep. into meal, and mixing that meal with tainted milk, um, or just scouring yeah. the earth for whatever leftovers were from before the volcano erupted. Oof. Hmm. And, and is there any cannibalism? No, no cannibalism. So that's that's one oh, thing nice. that huh. uh, now it could be that this is one of the few accounts of this. Um, there were some were some stories about people coming across dead bodies that had just kind of died in their right. place. So somebody going out to get the milk and just dead in the yard. Um, right. But right. Yeah. none of the none of the stuff that I looked at or none of the stuff that I've come across mm. talked about um, talked about that. So maybe it was a rare exception. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, it, it could be the people, I mean, with the animals, the animals were bad enough and poisonous right. enough that maybe they're just sitting here saying it's right. not going to be any better to eat a human. Right. It's easier to eat <laughs> fish meal bone than it is to eat anything else. So yeah, fair enough. Yep. Yep. <laughs> they yep. died. Should we eat them? No, <laughs> they would I, taste horrible. You can if you want. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what the living experienced. For the individuals that died, they posed a logistical challenge in this situation. So 
we've got all of these deaths that are occurring. Um, yes. but the problem is, is that few people are strong enough to dig the graves for these people. Um, oh, if you right. think about the, the, mm-hmm. uh, makeup of the ground in Iceland, it's all volcanic rock, ash, and sand. And then in the winter time, right. you've got all the water in that, in that earth that now is freezing it yeah. solid. So now you've got a slurry of frozen gravel, water, everything else. That's almost impossible to dig through in these hard winter times. Right. Mm-hmm. Add on to that, you've got nobody in town that's strong enough because they're all ill at the same time. Add to mm-hmm. that that there wasn't even a horse that was strong enough to carry dead bodies at this point. Um, and so John's <laughs> horse was the only one in town that could do it. So he became the the hearse for the entire village going from place <laughs> oh to place God. and carrying their dead bodies back. <laughs> Lee, uh, add that one to the list. And hyphen hearse. <laughs> hearse driver. <laughs> hearse driver. Ridiculous. Wow to try and minimize the energy expelled by whoever was digging the graves, they would let the bodies pile up until Sunday each week. And then they would dig mm-hmm. one single hole for these people and put them all in a grave together. Hmm. At least they were burying them at all. That's we've come across this before yeah. and that's not always the case. Yeah. In, yeah. in some of the further places yeah. where people were less respected because they were jerks or whatever else, um, they were at least courteous enough to stack rocks over their body, but still it was, you know, <clears throat> At some point you just, right. um, you guys have talked about it on a couple episodes where you just get to the yeah. point where there's just kind of the cutoff on, on humanity yeah. of like, well, we yeah. really don't have time. This is a survival thing at this point. Exactly. Um, yeah, exactly. One, two, yeah. three, heave, ho. Yep. <laughs> Jeez. Uh, so, you know, with, with that being said, that is the end of our dark bar. Things still have some rough stuff, Oof. but that's. That's all of the bad stuff packed into one so people can skip over if they want to. (laughs) (laughs) Jesus. So um, as we look back to John taking care of his flock, his medical abilities did come in handy. Um, He was going through treating neighbors with different homeopathics that he had at the time, such as pigweed, angelica root, dandelions, and rose root. So he was going from door to door, helping out however he could. But of course, it's it's difficult to undo the damage um, that they have from that. So. John knew that his medical treatments were not going to stop people from dying. It was just making them a little bit more comfortable. Um, So he decided he was going to make an effort to try and find a better solution. At this time, the Danish government is in charge of Iceland, and they have their administration building near present-day Reykjavik. So he traveled halfway across the country um, to go and get some financial support um, for his people. They ended up giving him a great big box of of, uh, silver coins that are called uh, rig dollar or the Danish currency at the time. And they roughly gave him enough to buy 600 sheep, 75 horses, or 60 cows. One of those options. Wow. Okay. So, so that's what he's working with. John returned back and gave it over to a Danish official, but um, just to show you how, um, how awful the Danish government was to them at this point. um, While John was traveling back, there were a couple of, of his people that he usually took care of. Um, that were along the way, just starving. They're like, please give me some money. Can you help me out? Um, the box yeah. was sealed with the Danish, um, the official Danish seal, which mm-hmm. if that was broken, he'd get in big trouble for, um, mm-hmm. he made the decision that he was going to crack that open and give a couple of those people. Cause otherwise right. they would have had to travel all the way back to where John was going and then travel all the way back to where they're at. They're already starving on the side of the road that may have very well killed them. 
Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Right. So because uh-huh. of this do-gooding that John did, the Danish government punished him by um, basically charging him the amount of like five sheep, five sheep or half a cow. So they said, shame on you. <laughs> you know, how dare you not follow policy? But for the most part, he walked away with a slap on the wrist. Um, he had a local judge that right. helped him out and, and things did okay. Okay. Man, they really, they really got a hate boner for Iceland. <laughs> yeah, it's got, got to keep them in their place. You don't want a bunch yeah. of Vikings to rise up and fight against you. You know, <laughs> when it comes to Fair Iceland, enough. we are by the buck. <laughs> <laughs> so for John, things did not get better. Whenever he got home, uh, immediately mm-hmm. after getting back, his wife ended up dying. Yeah. Oh. After his wife died, he ended up suffering from a series of different afflictions. He had frostbite. He had a hand injury that made it difficult to get dressed and difficult to just do basic work. Um, with the passing of his wife, he also had insomnia and depression. He even wrote in his um, in his journals that he considered suicide. So things were not going well um, for John. God. No. Jeez. I'd say not. After this, these conditions continued for another year. Oh. So we had the actual eruption that lasted around, you know, six to eight months. And then we have the fallout from this that continued for, for another year after that, um, around the world, people were seeing the impacts of this. So it cooled the, uh, cooled the earth in the Northern hemisphere by about one degree Celsius, I believe. Um, so I mean, people were observing this in London. They were seeing the red sky similar to, uh, to what we see in, you know, the United States and Canada with the wildfire smoke that's traveling over from California. Um, that same thing was traveling over and, and carrying across most of Europe. So they could see that there. Jeez. Wow. Yeah. Holy crap. But all of these conditions went on for another year after this point. Uh, in in a for, So the Danish government, in an act of empathy yep. and compassion, decided that it was time to pull all the disaster relief funds from all the people. Oh. Oh, you were being was, sarcastic. Yeah, I was like, they have that? Oh, no, they don't. <laughs> so we're, we're just going to take all the money that we had dispersed. That little chest of coins that John got, nope, that's done. We're, we're done. Yeah. You guys can now fend for yourselves. Even worse. Mm. You guys are all burning to death. We're not going to waste our money no, no, on no. relieving you the clearly disaster. clearly got something between you and God that we just can't <laughs> fix. So. Why don't you, why don't you rake your forests? Maybe that's what it is. (laughs) Even worse than that, they ended up cracking down on the refugees that were trying to leave the area. So, you know, most of Southern Iceland is impacted by this. So people decided they were going to head West over closer to Reykjavik, where there's a little bit more people, Mm -hmm. other things they can get. And the Danish government said, if we catch any of you refugees that are headed, headed out of your affected area, we will forcibly relocate you back to where you came from. Um, So that's, that's where we're at. Did we wrong you in some way? <laughs> it's something I said. Yeah. So John had had his last straw. He's like, you know what? This this uh-huh. is an act of of condemning my people to death on the part of the Danish government. I've got to do something about it. So he rallied yep. any of the people that could move, and he said, we have to go find some other food. So instead of heading west where they weren't allowed to go because of this crackdown, so we're going to head east. We're going to see what's out there and, and maybe we can yeah. find something to survive off of. Um, they yeah. headed east towards the shore. They sent out some scouts ahead of them. And whenever they caught up with the scouts by an absolute stroke of fortune, they, the scouts had found 200 seals and had killed and dressed all of them. And that was effectively the oh. end of the famine for wow. their people. Wow. 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 So this, this is the end of a two year famine, um, from the start of the eruption until now. Wow. That's, and here's one for our French Canadians. That's fucked. 
<laughs> Good one. Because because in in French, in French, fuck is seal. Yeah. Ha. The French are funny. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, so um, wrapping up some of the other loose ends, John ended up living uh-huh. another seven years. He remarried. He rebuilt his farm, um, but eventually he died of kidney disease at age seven uh, at age sixty three. So like many yeah, of the no other boy. people, kidneys are, are certainly something that's affected by the fluoride and some of the other things. So that's uh, probably what killed him was that volcanic eruption. It just took that long um, to get through a system. Right. Right. Well, he didn't go down easy. No. To this day, if you head down to southern Iceland um, around the town of Vik, where the, all of this happened, you can go to a, a the spot where John's church was. And while the church is no longer there, um, they have rebuilt a new one. And inside, you can go and see the original timbers of the church where John gave the the fire mass for for his people. So you can go and touch the timbers that were wow. standing where where he gave this this sermon. So that's pretty really metal. Cool. That's awesome. And then. <laughs> And then, of course, he and his wife are buried just a short distance away in in the church graveyard. So you can go in and, you know, give honor to him as well um, for all the right. good that he did. So he's still there overlooking his overlooking his fl- uh, flock, making sure that they're protected. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. What's the distance like between Vic and, and Reykjavik roughly, you know? Uh, it, it's easily a day's, uh, like a half day's drive. I think it's around, um, two hours of driving at 60 miles an hour. So whatever that would be. Oh, okay. So it's, Did it's not go? far off. Uh huh. Well, I haven't been to that one yet. This is okay. unfortunately the first time around. Um, I was doing all the touristy stuff with my with one of my family members. Second time around, I was doing most of the same stuff with my wife. Um, we ended up stopping there on the way back from a different vacation. Um, mm-hmm. And so it's I. This is one that now, as soon as I can bring my students to, we're going to go yeah. and yeah. Um, probably do the tour of the Lockie Craters because it's all now. It looks really cool. It's all greened over with moss and and everything else. And of okay. course, go and right. see this place. So. I've got to go now. List. That's this yeah. yeah, it's is it's great. And then the the yeah, I could go on for hours about how much fun it is to go and, and travel to Iceland. So, mm. <laughs> but um, that was the Lockheed eruption and the story of the uh, Eldfather. So, I do have a couple of <sighs> of measurements for you guys because I know that that's another thing you guys do. We sure do. <laughs> <laughs> we sure do. <laughs> so overall, the eruption lasted eight months. It killed half of the livestock and killed a quarter of the people in Iceland, or roughly nine thousand people. Wow. Oh my God. As far as measuring just how much lava flowed out, if you guys compare it to Johnstown flood, that was 14.55 cubic meters of water, a million cubic meters of water, roughly. That's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Lockie was literally a thousand times greater than that at 14.5 cubic kilometers. Oh my God. Oh. And of course, that's ridiculous. That, that is only the lava that um, that was set out. That does not include any of the flooding or the flash flooding or any okay. of that stuff. I was gonna, I was going to ask. So in Johnstown, it was quote unquote just water. So here it's a thousand times the volume in lava, right? But also water. Oh my god! <laughs> right? All, yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> On top of yeah. that. Oh my God, that is horrific. And of course, with that type of of mass that you're working with, um, if you try and uh, measure it by Titanics, it ends up giving you an error message on the calculator. So um, <laughs> I'd like to give you that, but uh, Johnstown was the closest thing that I could get to to measuring that. So, but um, nice. We do, I do try to measure things by Titanics. So <laughs> it's a good metric. 
So, something more people really should pick up. That would be that would be a great conversation starter. That's about you know two Titanics worth of snow that you guys got, yeah. <laughs> right? You're right. That's what I'm trying to institute. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, that would be better than the cups and ounces that we're using in the United States. So, you know, fair enough. Yeah, we've, we've talked about that before with nuclear nor. Oh, what what a nightmare that is growing up learning science in the United States. Baking alone is a nightmare. Trying to change over things. <laughs> But yeah. l- luckily, like uh, Alton Brown and some of those other ones, they're moving to encouraging people to do, you know, grams and, and other things where it's, you oh, know, yeah. it, it's moving in the right direction. Yeah. yeah. yeah I, that's always, I mean, we talked about that a bit in, uh, I think it was episode 26 and a half with Norm, Nightmare at 41,000 feet, 12,500 meters. But we <laughs> talked about how the dichotomy of like you learn, I, I can't even imagine what it's like in the States learning science and being like, okay, so for a second, forget about feet and inches. And now we're doing centimeters and where everything makes sense, right. where everything is tens and hundreds and thousands and liters and whatever. And now when we when you walk out of this classroom, back to inches. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. To me it's always a little bit not not to not to rag on I know that you're No, it's, it's it's definitely <laughs> something that you leave the country and then you scratch your head thinking all of the things that I know about distance and measurement are worthless in this country. <laughs> so that was a disaster. That was amazing. So that's that's one thing with the musical selection that for me, um, yeah. I, I feel bad because a lot of the stuff that I listen to in, in most of my uh, most of my spare time is not effective yeah. at communicating just how <laughs> raw this event is. So you know, all of my love of bluegrass, folk music, barbershop quartet music that really doesn't do justice to you know a a eruption that eliminates you know nine thousand people. So, um, but for do you have a music? I did actually. So I mean, I, I wanted Sweet. to make sure okay. I did my homework. So uh, for for me, the the thing that uh, that stuck out to me was looking mm-hmm. at the orchestral suite called "The Planets" by Gustav Holtz. Oh, yeah, um, yep, yep, yep. And so looking at um, his piece for Mars, that yeah. that pretty well did a good job of explaining, you know, just just what those people are going through. Because I I would have to imagine that does look a lot like Mars if you're sitting there in Iceland with red sky, red light everywhere around, lava flowing. So I mean, that's that's yeah. the one that would be my my musical selection for this one. Good one, good choice. That's a great choice. You probably heard a bunch of that just yeah. now. <laughs> I got one, Lee. Okay. Unless you have one ready. No, okay. go for it. Uh, for me, it's actually a new find. It's a band called Svartidaudi. I'm not sure if that's the way it's pronounced, mm. but they're from Iceland. This will shock you based on the hurry that the, the story we just heard, but they're a black metal band. Oh, weird. <laughs> so unlike you. <laughs> Svartidaudi, uh, I guess in Icelandic, that means black death, which I think ties in a little bit with the plagues that we heard about. Yeah, so the work. song I'm going for is from uh, their latest album from 2018 called Revelations of the Red Sword. Red Sword kind of makes me think of Fire Priest too, by the way. Uh-huh. Didn't make that connection. And then the song is the second one called Burning Worlds of Excrement. <laughs> which I think uh, kind of, uh, maybe a little too on the it nose. It sounded like a shitty but... time for everyone involved. For sure. <laughs> I guess excrement. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, in terms of like the actual, I think they're, they've been a band since 2002, I think. Uh, in terms of saying anything about the actual song, I mean... I feel like black metal and the story we just heard are hand in glove. So yeah, yeah. (laughs) the music, uh, just, you know, listen to the music and think about what you just heard. (laughs) And that's why I picked it. (laughs) Nice. Nice one. Uh, Lee, you got one? Yeah. So this is more, uh, what I've been listening to lately, but it's applicable, but, um, yep. It's a release. It just came out yesterday. I'm really excited about it. It's a, a new album, kind of a new album by this band, Mr. Bungle. Oh, okay. And uh, what they've done is they've re-recorded their 
very first demo tape that they originally put out in 1986 when they were in high school. And it's like thrash metal, death metal, very much of the time, 86. But what they've done now is enlisted Scott Ian from Anthrax and Dave Lombardo from Slayer to round out the band. (laughs) So basically (laughs) enlisted who would have been like two of their biggest influences then now playing yep. that stuff. Anyway, it's really exciting for me because I'm a mis- big Mr. Bungle fan and a big fan of that yep. original demo called The Raging Wrath yep. of the Easter Bunny. Or <laughs> <laughs> not without a sense of humor. And the song I picked is called Sudden Death, which um, the lyrics deal with like nuclear war, which was, you know, a hot topic for metal bands in the yep. mid 80s. But, you know, it's yep. certainly, you know, a, a quick fiery death and you know it it, it works yeah. just fine i think so i mean what we just heard sounds a lot like a like a natural a natural nuclear nuclear yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah jeez there you go awesome yeah. so so that was that was friggin sweet do you want do you want to come back sometime <laughs> absolutely yeah i, I love doing okay. this stuff cool awesome yeah. well we we love having you that was awesome. So, uh, John, is there a way, like, do you have a website or do you have a way that people can get in touch with you if they have questions for you specifically? Uh, I'm on Twitter. Um, I believe my Twitter handle is this is John Fest. Um, so, okay. <laughs> um, nice. fun, fun side story. So whenever my, uh, my wife yep. goes away for the weekend, I get to cook whatever I want. And so I call it John Fest. And yep. so that's where that name comes from. So <laughs> get to cook with onions that's and awesome. all the things that she hates. So, you know, oh, nice. um, oh, fair yeah, enough. so you, you can find me there. Yep. Um, I, I do quite yep. a bit of, of different commentary on some of the more, um, um, more popular issues in emergency management. So you can find myself as well as some of my, um, some of my friends talking through stuff on Twitter. Awesome. Okay. Cool. Uh, that was great. And it sounds like you're going to hear, hear some more from John real oh, soon. Yeah. We hope. <laughs> that was really cool. Yeah. So if you enjoyed what you just heard, then the best thing you can do, like I said at the top, is to tell a friend to listen. And maybe don't wait until the countryside is burning down around you <laughs> no. and you're eating acid rain food no. and the livestock are all dead. Don't do that. Don't do that. Just It'd do it now. It's a weird thing to recommend. Don't, do it now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, the next best thing you can do, if you aren't already, is subs- uh, subscribe and leave a rating or review. I think Apple Podcasts <laughs> is still the best place to do that. You can keep up with us on social media at This Disaster Pod, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, on our website, www.thisdisasterpod.com, and our patreon.com slash thisdisasterpod, where you get bonus content, micro disasters every two weeks, access to live streams when we live stream major disasters. Um, you can come hang out on our discord. We're probably going to do another watch party soon with, with a disaster movie and John there to maybe talk us through what's good and what's bad. (laughs) I think the suggestion was that they should be corny. And I think, uh, Gary mentioned that we might do the core soon. Oh, that (laughs) is such a good movie. Oh man. (laughs) Stanley Tucci in that is just absolutely fantastic. Yeah. It's, it's, we, I, I think I described it as like the, the the bad version of sunshine because i remember when when the movie sunshine first came out and i heard the premise i'm like oh it's the core in space (laughs) sounds kind of dumb but then it ended up being like one of my favorite science fiction movies so we'll probably do the core and maybe we'll find a way to get you to give us the science behind the core the earth stops spinning i don't know we'll figure it out but anyway so come on discord hang out we can we can do that there if you ordered a shirt those are probably coming out soon we're we're hand making those for you now or no we're not well, Someone. someone someone's, <laughs> make, some, someone's hand making them on our behalf. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, and uh, I think that's pretty much it. Unless, Lee, do you have anything to anything else? Uh No, just John, thanks for joining us. It was great. Thanks for having me. It was a lot of yeah, fun. That was awesome. Thank yeah. you very much. 
So that was that was a disaster, and uh, we'll see you in the next one. Bye. Bye. Bye.